A lot of great things coming to Rock Hill. It really was the people of Rock Hill. How many things does Rock Hill have going on? And you get to be a part of that. Now it's like, wow, I want to be there. I want to live there. I want to go there. It is extraordinary. The changes that have happened and what I really believe is just the next really great city in South Carolina. Hello and welcome into Rock Hill CityCast. My name is Matthew Cray, where we aim to keep you informed on all things going on inside the city of Rock Hill, recording here at City Hall upstairs in our studio. Across from me, I have Claude Close and Jay Coleman. They're here to talk about uh, the thread of development downtown Rock Hill uh, here today. Guys, how's it going? Doing well. How are you? Great. Good. Glad to be here. Good. And y'all can go ahead and pull those microphones a little bit closer to your face. Yeah, sure. Um, so before we get started, we'll, we'll kind of go through order here. We'll get to know a little bit about you guys. We'll maybe ask you a few fun questions that have nothing to do with the project. They're just sure. to learn a little bit about you guys, and then we'll talk about the project. So in order, you guys can go one by one. Tell me uh, your elevator speech. Give me who you are, where you came from, and how you ended up uh, working here in Rock Hill. Okay. Yeah, I could go ahead and get started yeah, here. I'm go for it. Jay Coleman. I'm with the Keith Corporation. I'm our office partner and kind of lead all of our office developments uh, with the, uh, the company. Um, my background, uh, military brat growing up, uh, went in the military myself, the Marine Corps for 10 years after college, um, flew Cobra attack helicopters, and uh, then got out right at the 10-year mark of active duty service, uh, did business school my transition out, and then I've worked in real estate for the past uh, eight years now. I've been with the Keith Corp for about two and a half. Awesome. Cool. Uh, my, yeah, again, Claude Close. Uh, I work for our family office based out of Fort Mill. Uh, in that role, wear several different hats, um, but one of those is helping out with this special project, The Thread, representing our family interest. Um, so The Thread is an old Springs textile building, um, and so we contributed that to a joint venture with the Keith Court for the purpose of redevelopment. Uh, me and my dad don't really have the real estate background, um, so that's where we brought the Keith Corp in to help out. Um, and so, you know, day to day, doing a lot of different things, uh, but The Thread is definitely uh, taking a lot of my attention these days. Awesome. Well, glad to have you here, obviously, and uh, to talk about the thread and working in Rock Hill to improve downtown. Uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit of fun here. So usually when we have one guest, I can do like a speed round. I'll ask like cats or dogs and like dogs, I'll be like favorite type of dog. With two people, it's a little different. So a question I've been asking other people around the office today. Uh, if you had to pick three, three to we, I say five, let's do three for the sake of the podcast, three states. And you're like, I wouldn't mind if I never had to visit there. What, what would those three states be and why? So I think for me, I, I, I would go Alabama and Mississippi just because I feel like touristically is not a word, but you get what I mean. Not a ton going on there. And then maybe Nebraska. I don't know. What about you guys? Three I don't want to visit? I mean, yeah, you, I'll you be honest, man. I don't like visit. that question. I'll, I'll visit anywhere in, the, in America. Okay, we can flip yeah. it then. Give me three you do want to visit and why you want to visit there. Even if you've been there before, like, I'm, I like to visit here. Okay. Um, uh, Washington, the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Beautiful up there. Uh, the Cascade Mountains. Uh, beautiful. Uh, Southern California, San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, same deal. Got the mountains, but you also have the surf. And then I uh, enjoy going out to the beach on the Carolinas, too. Nice. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'd echo Jay. I love the Pacific Northwest, um, uh, Northern California. I've spent some time out there recently. Um, and then Maine is actually one place that I've been dying to go. I'm not really sure why, but just an itch I've been wanting to scratch. Maine's a big like place for whale watching, right? And, I, I'm not I sure. That it, up? Clam <laughs> chowder and lobster rolls. I don't know yep. about whale. Yeah, I'm sure they get whale watching up there. Yeah, I was trying to uh, think about maybe playing a trip to Maine in the summer just to escape some of the heat down this way. Uh, here it's nice up there at that time of year. 
Awesome. Uh, what's a a show or a cartoon that you guys enjoyed or grew up watching? I mean, I, I went through my military background, so GI Joe as a kid. I mm. mean, I couldn't get enough of that. I guess. So. Hmm. Uh, well, I guess show watching right now would be Succession. Okay. Uh, uh, and then I know uh, Yellowstone is one of the favorites in our house. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we'll we'll stop there. We'll keep it at two, and we'll get into talking about the thread. So the thread. Uh, development in downtown Rock Hill. Go ahead and just uh, let's walk through kind of the story of the thread, and we'll start at its inception. Uh, my understanding, the the project idea or the project itself has been around for a while. Is that correct? Uh, it, it has. I guess I could take that one. Um, so again, uh, going back to my initial comments. So my dad's uh, business, Springs Creative. They've operated out of the building that's now known as the Thread since around 2007. Um, you know, over the years, started to see the rest of Knowledge Park and, and Rock Hill really being redeveloped and realized that, you know, operating a textile manufacturing operation out of that building probably wasn't its highest and best use. And so that's when we started kind of uh, thinking about what could we do with this building and, you know, who do we need to partner with in order to make that happen. Uh, so it was really going back you know, five, six, maybe even that was before my time, mm -hmm. so maybe even longer than that. Um, where we started meeting with development partners and trying to see kind of who shared our vision and what we wanted to uh, see this project turn into. And th that's when we teamed up with the Keith Corp. Uh, they've got some, uh, and I'll let Jay speak to this, but they've got some experience um, and background in adaptive reuse, which is what this project will be. Um, and, and so we figured they were the right partner to really come in and, uh, and help us turn this into what we thought would be an exciting uh, mixed-use project for Rock Hill. Yeah, and kind of, I guess, the more notable adaptive reuse project uh, kind of in our resume as a company is we were the original developer on American Tobacco. Okay. Going back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, uh, partnering with Capital Broadcasting Company, who is also a partner in the thread with us now. So uh, kind of, you know, getting the band back together to, you know, use a phrase right there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but that, that that's what we see in Rock Hill uh, and what we saw, you know, I mean, that's before my time, but what, you know, my boss and uh, our company saw in Durham going back in the late 90s, early 2000s was the foundations were, were there. The history, the character, the irreplaceable assets were all there. Um, and those fundamentals, I don't think they're ever going to change in real estate. There's always going to be some kind of emotional tie to a, a piece of property, a building, um, a story you can tell that is going to be, uh, interesting and be able to gen generate, you know, some kind of demand for uh, as we kind of go forward. And and that's what the thread has in space. That's what this whole area, downtown Rock Hill, has in space. I mean, going back even before the partnership and the ideas, I mean, the whole history of the site is just something that you just really can't replace. It was the Rock Hill Buggy Company going back to the 1890s. And then, you know, that morphed into the Anderson Motor Company with the advent of the automobile. And then Lowenstein & Sons comes out of New York in the 1920s and buys Anderson Motor Company and turns it all into textile mills uh, and manufacturing. Um, you know, and at its height, I think we're employing uh, up to 6,000 people in this, you know, really small, concentrated, dense uh, textile corridor. Uh, and then over time, you know, with the downfall of textiles uh, or kind of, you know, not downfall, but just uh, less in demand, you're kind of left with the, the foundational real estate that's left behind. Um, and over time, some stuff was either you know, destroyed, which Charlotte, you know, regionally is kind of known for. Some were burned down, but here in Rock Hill, a lot of it was preserved uh, and kind of left there. Uh, so we're able to come in, kind of reattack it, fresh mindset. All right, how, what can we do with this now? And that's that's what we saw when we, you know, came across this opportunity. So when you say adaptive reuse, what does that mean? 
I mean, it's just what it sounds like. You're taking something that was once used for something, and now mm -hmm. you're 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 going through. You're doing a you know a renovations and uh, you know redesign to it, uh, but kind of preserving as much of the historical integrity uh, as you can, but making a, a more modern kind of finished project that's now tailored towards a different use. So, like I said, it was textile manufacturing predominantly over the last century, and now we're kind of pitching it towards uh, ground floor mixed use retail, and office and loft apartment uh, residential. So what all goes into the process of, I know you said, you know, figuring out what, what might go here. What goes all, what all goes into the beginning of that development process? Yeah, for us, I mean, it's, look at the, the, the size of the structure and the piece of property. Um, okay, we've got approximately 400,000 square feet of space to, to, to work with. Um, it sits on about uh, seven acres with an additional three acres across the street. All right, there's kind of where our parking will go. All right, now let's look at the mix of uses that are going to go in there. We're not on a, uh, you know, while we do have the my ride, you know, mass transit, we're not on the light rail or anything like that. So parking is always going to be a concern um, and understanding exactly what we put in there is going to drive the number of spots we need to kind of create around that. But, I mean, honestly, you, you look at the building, it sets up really well for, uh, and it wasn't really, in the consideration at first, but you know, a post-pandemic kind of environment where it's got 18-foot clear height ceilings. Um, you can safely spread people out really efficiently in those type of uh, environments. And then you're looking at, all right, we need some amenities. Uh, there's all these other residential projects going in around our project. So what's going to drive uh, initial demand there? It's retail. Uh, you know, retail is going to follow where the people are. It's more walkable. All right. We need a restaurant. We need maybe a bar, uh, a brewery, uh, some kind of service. All right, great. We got that. All right, now let's look at the rest of the building. And we had two full floor plates above that are each 70,000 square foot on our first phase. So 140,000 square feet. Well, commercial office makes sense. Um, you know, ideally, we'd love to see the corporate reloads and expansions that were kind of happening uh, before uh, COVID-19 continue. And I think maybe we'll eventually get back to that, but kind of the office market in general, not just here in uh, the Southeast or Charlotte, uh, it's really just worldwide is kind of in limbo right now as people figure their way through it. So uh, we looked at our plan. All right, we got 400,000 square feet to work with office initially. That made sense, uh, but kind of this just kind of dragged on. Uh, all right, what's more palatable right now? All right, we understand our base of tenants here in York County not counting anything across county lines, state lines in Mecklenburg. Are there, is there enough demand for a product like this to compete with all the other Class A office in your county? And the answer we think is yes. This is something new, something that is really not in the market. Uh, your typical office user in, in your county is in suburban, you know, nice Class A office, but it's, I guess for lack of a better word, a little vanilla. And this is anything but that, what we're creating right here. This is your urban you know, walkable cultural center of town that happens to have some office space. So you kind of mentioned the scary word there, COVID uh, and the pandemic, and yeah. you touched on it a little bit uh, where you got, it sounds like you had some plans pre COVID where you just raring to go and then COVID hit and you just kind of had to, to wait and just reevaluate as the information come in. What, where were you guys at when March rolled around of 2020? Yeah, I mean, that's something you can't really predict or underwrite yeah. for. Um, we uh, had not started, obviously, development and uh, construction at that point, and it's, it's a good thing we didn't uh, because otherwise we really may have been a little too over our skis at that point. So let the dust settle a little bit. <laughs> we took a couple of years to do that, um, and, and I think we have a good, good game plan going forward now. We did, like I said, make a pivot where our Phase 2 is going to be more concentrated on loft apartments, and that's where Capital Broadcasting Company 
comes in and their depth of experience uh, specifically on adaptive reuse, uh, you know, residential projects, uh, American Tobacco being one, uh, Rocky Mountain Mills being uh, another one, and a slew of others in North Carolina. This will be their first South Carolina venture. But uh, that's where we kind of made a pivot right there as we're kind of navigating, our, navigating the waters of COVID, so to speak. Was it as easy as – was it an easy transition to go back to the drawing board and, you know, be like, we're going to add apartments? Or was it really like, hey, we got to go back to square one and reevaluate everything that we've discussed? It, it was a fairly uh, easy transition for us because, as Jay's alluded to a few times – We've always planned to do this development in two phases. Uh, so the apartments that he's talking about are gonna go on the phase two side. Um, and so while we had a, a general master plan for phase two, the you know actual design work was still only about you know, 25, 50% of the way done. Uh, so Capital Broadcast was really able to come in and, and kind of start that design work, um, not from scratch, but, but really come in and put their you know, fingerprints on the design work for the apartment side of the, of the project. All right, so we'll talk about the project itself, and I would just want to kind of get an idea of the, the building that you're working with because when I drive by and I look at the Thread building or the building that will be the Thread development, the Springs Close building, I guess, in size, it looks like it's almost as long or close to as long as what they've got in University Center. Am I crazy? Are my eyes crazy? How far off am I as far as the size of the building? No, I mean, it, the building itself, uh, you know, going back to the history of the site, you know, it was all single-story structures up until 1940, and I talked about, you know, a lot, number of fires. That's usually how you lose some structures. There's a massive fire in 1940 on that site. Mm -hmm. All the single-story structures built, uh, burnt down, and then in 1946, uh, they started construction and delivered in uh, what we're calling our Phase 2, which is about 200,000 square feet, and as you if you drive along White Street, you look and you can see what we're doing already right now. It's pretty clear to, to see what's our phase one and our phase two. Um, but fast forward, you know, from 1946, they built that first structure. 1956, they added on to it because textiles were booming. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you go inside the building, and this pre predates any kind of construction we ever did, it, w it really was an addition. Uh, they looked, you can see the two separate structures from the street. It looked like th that, but you get inside it and you're walking through it. It really, it, it is one structure. The floor plates are all seamless, uh, seamlessly interwoven there. So, um, I mean, the building itself, yeah, it's it's a behemoth. It's a, and a it's kind of an irreplaceable asset. Like it would be cost prohibitive to try and build that nowadays. It is, for lack of a better word, a, a concrete fortress. Um, and uh, each floor plate, like I said, is about you know 135,000 square feet each uh, times three. So it's 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 a pretty pretty big building. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the phases a little bit. We'll dive into a little bit more detail. Uh, phase one, you said it's underway right now. That's the bigger chunk of the project. I think you mentioned uh, office space. Is phase one going to be entirely office space? So phase one will be office on floors two and three. Okay. And the ground floor will be retail, uh, food and beverage, restaurant uses. So, so when you say uh, office space, explain to me what that means. Is this like uh, we're going to recruit a company to come in, this will be their office space, or is this like I can go in and I can just work out uh, a co-working space, for example. What what does office space mean? It's we're traditionally marketing it for for lease space. So, okay. Um, you know, companies uh, they're they're center rep brokers. They see it. Uh, they have a requirement. They'll add us to their survey. Come tour it and get a sense for the project and everything. And you know, if it looks good to them, then they'll lease space within the building. Um, and we've got it set up to accommodate anywhere from you know call it a, a two thousand square foot tent all the way up to one hundred forty thousand square feet available uh, on the second and uh, third floor 
So um, one thing to note too about the project. So typically uh, most developers, uh, depending on the kind of the plans that you have and the, the project, the building that you're inheriting will would pursue historic tax credits. Uh, there's also textile mill credits that uh, this project qualifies for as well. Uh, we'll benefit from the textile mill uh, uh, credits, but the historic tax credits was another thing. And you had to play by pretty strict rules uh, within a defined kind of sandbox, so to speak, for, from a design standpoint of what you can do to that building and still qualify for those credits. And for us, we really, you know, we went around it, uh, danced around that over and over again, talked with our architects, uh, talked, you know, with tenant brokers, understand the market and demand, and kind of made the decision in the, in the uh, what was best for the building was really to forego those uh, historic tax credits and allow basically our architect, from their creative design standpoint, open up every tool within their toolkit to create really, like I said, a, a really modern finish, tenant-focused building that preserves all the historic uh, kind of integrity of the building, but again, just a modern Class A building. So let me ask you this. We, in the prop podcast before this, we interviewed the um, Tara Sherbert over at the Powerhouse, yep. and they talked about how they had to take the windows out and make sure they were clean because the windows had to be on the building, That's right. and their building, they had to build a structure almost inside the building that didn't touch the walls. So what you're, you're saying is that you are foregoing uh, kind of that uh, play the historic tax or tax credit playbook so you can kind of be more creative with what you guys want to do? 100%. I mean, like I talked about, the, the size of the building, the size of the floor plates, each 135,000 square feet each. If we're targeting, you know, for an office user, uh, for example, imagine you're sitting in a cubicle in the middle of that that floor plate and you have no, you know, access to natural light coming in from the window line. That just doesn't sound very appealing. So one thing we're doing uh, that would negate us getting historic tax credits is putting in a massive 6,000 square foot open air courtyard into the middle of the floor plates. Mm. Um, and that's gonna interact with all ground floor retail on the bottom level, but then again, gets natural light to the uh, office floors above, uh, both from the sides of the buildings and now the interior of the building. So with all the space that you have in phase one, and uh, floors two and three will be office space I know this is a hard question to ask because because it depends on the business. But how many businesses could theoretically fit in that area? I mean, it could be one. It could be like I said, down to two thousand square feet each. Uh, right. So, uh, what is that? Seventy tenants. I mean. Yeah. So <laughs> somewhere between one and seventy. That that at least gives us an idea. And then, what's the process of going through and and deciding who gets to come? If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we'll look at every tenant uh, and, and certainly welcome anybody to come and, and check out the project. Uh, uh, sure, we, you know, we'll look at, you know, that official lease kind of to kick off, you know, and, and go into the project. Uh, we'd ideally like to preserve certain spaces for larger tenants instead of giving away, you know, like I said, the more, you know, prominent, you know, corner office type uh, setups to a smaller tenant. Um, but we welcome anybody and everybody to come and check out the project. And I to follow up on that, I'd say going back to the early days of our planning processes, we always hoped that we'd be able to attract a large employer, um, you know, hopefully to create jobs in the region. And that's still, you know, a goal of ours. I know we've uh, reduced the overall office footprint, but still with the square footage that we do have, I think we could, you know, attract a large office headquarters that could bring some jobs to the area. Yeah. And to kind of go along with that, I mean, I think Winthrop did a great job. I think the initial study went back in like 2018 where they talked about the number of employees of the, in the workforce that live in York County that leave York County every day and go across state lines into Mecklenburg. Uh, so 
think of all the Fortune 500 companies that are, you know, predominantly officed in, you know, uptown area, and the number of employees that have to get on the, you know, 77 and drive north every day. Uh, the hub and spoke model, I think, makes a lot of sense for companies like that, uh, especially after coming out of, you know, this pandemic where a lot of those folks have been working from home and have been accustomed now to working from home and the number of you know, potentially up to two hours a day that they now have back because they don't have to get on 77 and fight traffic. So it's just, it's more time for the, your families, your loved ones, friends. It's just quality of life. So that's where a project like this that has all the amenities that you'd get like in a South End or Uptown with apartments and you know all the walkable ground floor retail that we're putting in there. It's just, it's a different asset uh, offering and an alternative for companies like that to take consideration of so that's uh phase one and we can get into where you guys are at here in a few minutes but um claude what does it mean for you to have a family business be part of such a a big development here in rock hill it's huge i mean that's i think there's two directions you could have gone with uh gone in with this project i mean we could have sold the property to a developer and let them handle it but we always wanted to make sure we stayed involved and kind of could steer this project in a direction that was going to be good for the community you know we we've been doing business in york county you know going back hundreds of years um and so you know we're not going anywhere and obviously want to make sure that this project is is one we can be proud of and and i think we will be and when you say good for the community what what might that look like you know i think we're just planning on delivering something that we don't see that is our is currently here um so i think we're filling a little bit of a a void um hopefully and you know just providing an asset that the whole community can we we see this as really being a destination where folks can come and really enjoy themselves spend time with their families you know there's already so much going on in knowledge park with the event center um everything going on in university center with um, old town kitchen and cocktails and so we think you know just continuing to expand on what's already been done by some of the developers and, and uh, you know city and county officials there's a great opportunity there cool um with one last question on phase one i know we talked about the offices and you said floor one will be the restaurants and yeah, retail that's all your walkable uh, we want that to interact with the public you know uh, as much as possible in your in uh knowledge park so it's all you know mixed use retail and with uh i'm just trying to get a picture in my head again how much space is it just going to be we're going to have a couple shops out front on the front side does that make sense total square footage is phase one for retail it's yeah uh, leasable twenty-eight thousand. okay yeah cool uh phase one on to phase two you said uh apartments and when you're looking at i believe that's the left side of the structure correct closest to the uh, sports and event center yep and uh what kind of apartments are we are we talking about what are we looking at it's all going to be a mixture of uh, one to three bedroom apartments, and it's all, you know, loft apartments. Uh, like I go back to the uh, ceiling height, 18 foot clear height. So there's an ability to, to put in, you know, those lofts in there with the uh, kind of mezzanine uh, levels in some of those as well. So uh, TBD on our final design and, and number of unit counts. We're, we're, we got enough on our plate right now with phase one, uh, but we are behind the scenes working on the design right now for phase two. Uh, and then TBD also when we start phase two, but, um, Everything we're looking at, uh, tracking, you know, macro and micro trends, we feel the sooner we can go forward uh, with phase two and, and creating the apartments there, there's demand for it. People are moving to this area. They will continue to move to this area, we believe. And, uh, you know, interest rates and stuff like that being where it's at, your buying power as a young, you know, professional couple is kind of reduced now. So maybe you, you wait it out and you look for a good place to, to rent an apartment that has, you know, walkable, retail and all that kind of stuff and 
you could point to our project and it, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Now, when I drive by the thread building at the moment, I see all these window panes that have been removed and I can kind of see, well, maybe it wasn't, but I can see inside the building. Sure. What, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, I mean, total construction. So again, it's an adaptive reuse. So we're not right. having to recreate or build the structure. The structure is there. So it's a 12 month construction timeline from start to finish. We started, uh, January 17th. We will deliver January 17th this mm. coming year. Um, the first three to four months is predominantly all demo. And that's what you're seeing right now. Uh, I mean, literally going through and ripping out all the old MEP or that mechanical electrical plumbing equipment, uh, opening up the facade, uh, interior walls. Um, and then, like I said, we're going to literally saw cut into the, uh, the floor plates, the open air atrium uh, or the courtyard, as well as a, uh, a prominent lobby entry. We're going to saw cut uh, the second floor. So it'll go from the ground floor all the way up to the, the, the floor of the third floor, uh, about a 40 foot clear height kind of main lobby entry right there. So that's predominantly what you're seeing right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what's going on right now. Uh, but once we get it you know, down to the concrete studs effectively, and that'll be sometime around like a uh, late April timeframe, that's when you'll see a lot of stuff kind mm-hmm. of be built back into it. Now, when you look in, you kind of see like these big, I guess I call them beams. Yeah. How, how will that affect what, how you guys do your job i mean th- those are uh, structural columns some okay. of them are coming out for the you know aforementioned yeah. uh you know atriums and courtyards uh but we're, we're working around those those are 20 uh 20 by 20 uh, column spacing right there and it's uh i mean uh, not gonna lie it's, it could be a little bit of a challenge in mm-hmm. laying out and design your space but it's also something that like i said is it's irreplaceable you wouldn't it would cost too much to put that back in there and it's just a part that you can incorporate into your your design and your space plan that is really just i think uh, unique and just cool so phase 1a we'll call it demolition what's phase 1b so after uh, you finish the the knockdown if that makes sense yeah we, we go through we, we do all the demo which is fun now we gotta build it back mm-hmm. and that's that's where you're putting in all the new uh, equipment all the new electrical plumbing uh all that stuff, windows, um, you name it, all the finishes. So that, that'll be the last eight months of the project. So the January 17th to 17th is part uh, phase one. That's right. And then you guys will start on phase two? TBD, but I think we're leaning towards uh, potentially starting as soon as then. But again, I'm not going to you know, commit to a date. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, try- I'm not trying to box you into a corner. I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> we, we, like anything, like like talking about before, everything we look at is in real time and it's mm-hmm. always fluid and we're always trying to do what's best for, you know, the project and, and us as, a, as partners. So we will evaluate that as the year kind of uh, progresses. There's a lot of, you know, dynamics out there, just again, macro and micro. So we'll, we'll make the best decision for the project. Uh, on when we start that but right now i think our preference is to start sooner rather than later is the is the plan for the parking lot to remain just a big parking lot are there plans regarding that initially it's going to be all surface parking okay. and once we get to a certain uh lease so lease threshold number of square foot leased uh we'll uh actually we have a surface lot across the street mm-hmm. and that'll be a public private partnership with the city to uh there's tiff funds uh allocated towards building a parking deck right there so we will uh, tr- convert that surface lot into a parking deck, um, and then ultimately, master plan wise, is when we get you know through phase two, the surface lot in front of the thread, it will be all surface parking initially. Once we get close to completing everything, we're going to give a portion of that back to uh, dedicated lawn space. And I'm sure you probably heard about the Storyline Trail linking you know Fountain Park all the way to Winthrop. That's going to run right through there. So if you can picture White and Wilson Street, that corner stoplight. 
that storyline trail, our portion, our contribution to that, we're going to build that part out, is going to come in from that stop or that four-way intersection, angle right across that uh, event lot space to where our main lobby entry for phase one is, and then it will just run the full length uh, right in front of all the ground floor retail on phase one and two, and then continue down to the sports and events center where you have that covered uh, conditioned corridor right now, and that will take you to university center. The the connection of downtown to Winthrop has been a, a big goal of of council of a lot of people in Rock Hill to connect that downtown area. And right now you guys are a, a big kind of connecting piece of that puzzle. How does it feel to be uh uh to to move forward with the development that is going to connect that area? It, it feels great. I mean, I think the timing is honestly kind of worked out perfectly. We're really the last piece of the puzzle there and not to be corny but i mean the name of the project the thread we're really kind of tying everything together um and so i think uh, again just the last piece of the puzzle main street has really been uh revitalized we all have seen what's going on in university center and we're happy to just kind of link those two together how, how do you see the uh, the thread and the surrounding areas to your right and to your left kind of working as a team once it's all said and done uh, that's been going on since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, uh, you know, when I first got started on this project four or five years ago, we would have quarterly meetings uh, in different places in Knowledge Park with all the different developers, community leaders, and just hear what different folks had going on, what their ideas were, and just making sure that we're all in communication, that we're all moving in the same direction. I mean, that's been going on since day one, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, what am I missing here? What What would you guys like to add? I don't know. I think we covered a lot of it. Uh, I mean, it's it's an exciting project. Uh, Knowledge Park is an exciting project just in general to be a part of. Um, I mean, there's close to half a billion dollars of just investment and development going on in this small condensed area. I think the city's done a great job defining what that area is and the kind of goal for it to be that that cultural center of town, that pedestrian friendly center of town. And like, like I go back to the very beginning, you have this old textile mill corridor as the kind of foundation. And, you know, it's, it's just something really unique, um, especially in a, a high growth market like the Charlotte region and what it is to be so close to the amenities that you get in a, you know, downtown setting like Charlotte, the airports, you know, everything, but you're kind of separated. You're, you're, you're out here. This is, this is, you know, it's kind of like your own little slice of Americana out here mm-hmm. in Rock Hill. You're, it is the kind of small town feel where everybody knows, you know, kind of everybody's you walk down the street and, uh, but you have the amenities of a larger city, but, uh, specifically in Rock Hill, we're kind of, you know, the knowledge park creating a, you know, a, a small sliver of that urban kind of core that you get, I guess, like in a South end area. But like I said, it's, it's small town, you know, all American kind of, kind of city. Mm-hmm. So. I know you guys, uh, a quick question about phase two. You, you said you went back and you decided to add apartments. What was important about adding apartments versus making phase two something different? I think adding the apartments uh, really just creates that you know, 24-hour environment. You know, live, live, work, and play um, is probably an overused phrase, but that really adds that element to the project. Um, and you know, our site will be active 24 hours a day. There's going to be activity going on. 24 seven. Um, and, and so the apartments just really brings that, you know, energy to the project. Like you were saying, I mean, we are kind of the, the last like, that linchpin or, you know, last link in the chain to kind of connect everything together. So we're, we're right in the heart of everything that's going around us. And, 
you know, it's, it's been phenomenal watch and we'll, I think, you know, be happy to see this continue to grow all around us. So if you have all this, you know, retail and you put people living right in the middle of all that and they can walk either side to access that, that's just kind of cool, I think. Awesome. Well, Claude, Jay, I appreciate you taking time out of your days to come join us and tell everyone about the thread. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill CityCast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.